0: Hello and welcome to the Success Chat with Leanne Holder and Jacob Lever. Hi everyone. In this episode, we are going to be sharing six tips that we have for starting your own business. It's going to be based on our experience. Um, We both know that starting a business isn't the easiest thing in the world, is it?
1: No, (laughs) not at all.
0: Um, And so many people, they just, you know, they put it off. Um, I think it's because they don't know where to start. And I think that when we started business, I think that was probably the thing that, you know, we found the hardest was we didn't really know what we were doing or, or what to do or where no, to go. it's or... such a
1: vast field that, I mean, without a little bit of direction, you wouldn't know where to yeah. start at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess so for those of you know those listeners that are unaware of our business background um, our first business we started in I think it was 2015 if I'm right yeah Uh, we were studying for our master's degree weren't we in strength and conditioning Um, and we created Talk Human Performance Uh, that was our first one we were it was a motorsport um, fitness and nutrition company and we would work with drivers on their you know fitness and nutrition plans and sort of driver warm-ups and stuff Um, that was good wasn't it because it was a passion that we
1: yeah it and was I'd a field right. we were interested in yeah. which helped um but like all early businesses especially being one of our first it was something that we didn't really approach in the traditional sense like we're going to go through in this podcast
0: exactly we just sort
1: of dived in and hoped for the best
0: we did we definitely did um and so then with a little bit of experience we started our second business which is now nearly three years old can't believe how time has passed um and we've also now owned um another business for two years so because race car bots we've had for three years um and vitamin coffee it's been nearly two years now so where has the time gone um so i suppose before starting those businesses myself i kind of dabbled in uh, business beforehand on a very very low level uh, i dabbled in making and selling my own jewelry which i did at college um i've done sort of freelance work and promotions um i've tried to sell sort of beauty products at higher markup um, than rrp and um, entrepreneurship to me has kind of been in my blood, so my great-great-grandparents, you know, all kind of all the way down. A lot of the females in the long line of ancestry have all been business owners and, and uh, strong women. So I kind of had it in the blood, really, um, and it's something that I always wanted to do. So here I am. <laughs> so we've compiled um, a bit of a useful guide with six tips here, um, drawing on kind of both of our experiences. And I guess we hope that this is really going to be the help for you um, to start your businesses. Yeah. Okay, great. So the first thing I suppose we should stress is that you don't need investment before we get on to our tip.
1: No, that's true. You can start with £10 on the table, buy your first item, try and flip it for double that and then carry on. It can be a really simple process depending on, you know, your interests and where you want to start.
0: Yeah, I think that's what scares people as well. They think you need to be rich or you need to have a massive startup fund to be able to kind of create a business, whether it's product based or service based. But that's actually not true, is it? We, I mean, we've proved that.
1: Yeah, you can it can be done on your own. You don't always need, you know, outside investment. You don't need, you know, massive, massive overheads or anything like that. It can be done simply from home.
0: Yeah. So if that was the thing maybe stopping you before you kinda of listen to these tips, then eliminate that one straight away. Um cash isn't the important thing here. So I guess we should start on our on our six points.
1: Yeah. So number one, find an interest or passion that you can put your energy into. I think this is one of the most important points, and that's why it's number one. Because it's hard to pursue something if you don't have an interest in it. It might be a brilliant money-making idea, or you know, it might be a really thriving uh, business at the time for you. Know, you know, th- you feel like you can jump into. But if you've not got that initial interest, it's ne- it's never really gonna it's never really gonna gel with you so much. You know, you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna lose that passion for it altogether.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think at this point as well, um, it's not really about thinking about how you're going to make money from it. It's establishing what you like and what you don't like. What do you like to do in daily? life? What do you absolutely hate? There's no point in making a business about something that you absolutely hate. Um, so I guess not worrying so much about the money making side, but really broaden your ideas. Really think about what you enjoy. Um, you know, what's your passion? What's your hobby? What are your interests? Whether you, I don't know, you like watching TV in the evening? uh you might have a favourite food, you might love to do something on a Saturday. Um think about those things and kind of make maybe make a list about them. And that's okay if it's just business in general. At this point you don't really have many hobbies. You just know that you kind of like the idea of selling stuff or solving a you know solving a problem or just creating a business in general. That's totally fine as well.
1: Mm. Yeah so what we'd suggest is um mind map or brainstorm you know your ideas find out if you can't think about what you're interested in, literally write it down and start thinking about stuff that you could see yourself selling. Or, you know, write down your main hobby or interest and then branch out from that and find products that are related to that in some way.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a really good way to start, actually. Okay, so I guess point two would be you've now got your topic or your interest, you kind of know what you like. Now think about whether you can find a problem within that. You know, is there something that You really love about a product, but then there's also something you really dislike about that product. So, for example, I mean, one that really annoys me is when you've got a really great shampoo and you've paid a really good price for this shampoo and you can't ever get it out of the bottle. It just, you know, however many times you shake it or you squeeze it, you always end up with loads left in the bottle. Or, for example, um, so lip glosses, you know, I'm a massive fan of a lip gloss, but if my hair's going to get stuck to my lips all the time, then I'm not going to enjoy that product. So that's kind of the problems you could think about about a pro- you know a product that you really like.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. There's so many options out there, and everything nowadays is adaptable. So you can always take an idea, change it, um, you know, add features, whatever, whatever really suits your sort of idea behind it. Another good way to come up with an idea is to find a business, or if you, even if you know of a business, you go, oh, "I'd love to do something like that," or if you see a business that's come up with a really good idea but you can do it better you can do it differently you can do it in a way that reaches a different audience that they don't reach there's nothing wrong with taking inspiration from another business that's already out there
0: yeah definitely yeah
1: we're not saying copy something you know that it's a very fine line it's a very it's a gray area you know don't copy someone else's ideas because it's never good and if you're going to do it exactly the same you're never going to be able to to compete with that person because you're copying exactly what they're doing. Yeah,
0: and you're starting now. They started ages ago. Exactly. So they're always going to have the leg up.
1: But if you can improve a service, or if you can improve a product, or add features, change it to you know to find your niche within that industry, then then go for it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you take, for example, the detailing industry, um, you know, within the industry it's typically kind of larger bulk products. You, you know, you would get quite a lot of shampoo, for example. Um, so therefore you're spending a lot of money, aren't you? And what we established is that if you have a service that lets you try out smaller, smaller bottles, small sample sizes of different products and different brands, you then know what you like. So therefore you can then buy it in bulk and you're not wasting money. So that's a way that we kind of realise, okay, there's a problem here. Here's how we, mm. you know. That's how we identified
1: it. because race car box had legs really because yeah. it was a problem that wasn't being answered. Yeah. So we decided so we to jump in it. there.
0: Yeah. So I think now then, I guess moving on to number three would be you've kind of, you've got your topic and your interest. You've kind of found a problem and you think you know really what, you know, why you want to solve it and where you want to go with it. You might not know the how yet, of course. Um, but, The next point I would suggest really quite strongly is that you don't have to go solo. You don't have to do this on your own. Going solo on a business venture could be scary, you know, a bit lonely. It's really hard work and it's a long, long, you know, long days, um, long hours. So if you have someone else to partner with, this is really going to benefit you. Um, You know, me and Jacob, we do everything in business together, don't we? And I think that's going to be the reason probably why we've grown so quickly.
1: Yeah, it's a massive, massive benefit. Even if it's just being able to bounce ideas off of someone. Yeah. Especially, like you say, if they are in it with you, they've got the same passion, you know, then it's not just throwing ideas at someone and going, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And then going, oh, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, because they're pleasing they're, you, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they they're not people pleaser. They're going towards the same goal. So they're obviously going to want to go, mm, no, actually, I don't think that's great. Or, you know, this is really good. I think we should pursue this part of it. Yeah. You know, you can really sort of sort of tweak any ideas with that person.
0: Yeah, and I think also you have to. You know, rather than just going out and randomly finding a business partner, make sure you trust them. You have a good working relationship Mm. with them already. You can tolerate them. I mean, we spent hours together, you know, and it can become very stressful and it become quite high pressured. And I think you have to be able to work with someone that, yes, you can get along with, but also, yes, you can disagree with. But in a sensible way. In a healthy not, way. Yeah, healthy yeah. way. You're not going to lose, absolutely lose the plot with them. I mean, I think working working with you is so good. For example, things like when if I'm creating a, you know, a bit of content or something, I look at it and I think something's missing from it. You know, do I need an arrow here? Or, you know, something's not quite right. I'll just ask you and you might go, no, no, no that's right. Or you might go, ah, if you added this and I'll go, ah, oh, perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. It's mm-hmm. things like that that really kind of set you aside from other people because you've got two eyes, not one. You've got two experiences, you've got two skill sets, you know, not just one.
1: And it works both ways when it comes to the creative side or the nitty gritty of uh, planning the next month of boxes or, you know, stock interest with suppliers. If I go to you, well, what brand works best or, you know, what product combination do you think we should do for the next two to three months? That's something that I need your opinion on to go, you know, I think we should swap this one out for this or I think we should maybe put these two together as a pair because it'd be better. So it's always good to... Get that second opinion.
0: Yeah, it's a fresh set of eyes. So I think to mm. conclude, you know, point three, having that second person there or third person, you know, however you, however you want to work, um, will make you grow uh, quicker, especially with your business, but also personal development as well.
1: So this leads nicely into our fourth point of skill sets and identifying what yours are. Because obviously if you're going it alone, you need to realise what you're good at and what you're not so good at. And then the things you aren't so good at, you only need to learn or find someone who can do those for you and help you along the way. So obviously having a business partner helps because you can find someone that can fill those voids. So they might be really good at the creative side and you might be really good at the, you know, the physical hands-on business side and together you make a great pair or there's three or four of you, it's even better.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've all got skills. So we've picked things up through like education or just life experience, I suppose. Um, But really establishing what like your strengths and weaknesses are is really gonna kind of set you aside from other people because, if there's no point in you doing what you're not good at, you know, you may as well try and find someone else. You can do that. So outsource and delegate Mm. or just really learn before you even go ahead with, with your business plan, like learn the stuff that you don't know. Mm. um, And because you're going to be so much stronger. Um, So especially if you are working alone, you don't want a business partner. Like you need to be a good all rounder, Mm. like definitely need to be a good all rounder because otherwise you're going to struggle later on. Um, So yeah. So writing down your, your strengths and your weaknesses really. Knowledge in your industry is really important as well. Like do know your industry because if you're gonna go into something in a business and you have absolutely no idea about the business. So for example, you're creating a new fitness product and you know, and everything sounds great, but you've never worked in the fitness industry. You don't really go to the gym. You don't know the customer base you're going to struggle here you might have a great product but you are going to struggle so make sure you do know that and know that the skills that are around fitness as well so yeah finding the knowledge in your industry um, and just having versatile skills and just be prepared to delegate tasks out as well to people that potentially are better than you you know i've got not really got any issues of going yeah i'm good at this but i know someone who's better
1: yeah i think it's about finding the right balance because you want to obviously delegate some of the tasks or some of the skills that you're not so good at but also it's worth keeping some back to learn because obviously you always want to be expanding your own skill set if you've got everyone around you doing something for you it's going to be difficult to then almost self-teach the next you know the next role and the next skill so that when you go into your second or third business or just progress through the same one over the years that you're not just still stuck with the same set of skills you you, you know you develop you become a little bit more self-sufficient
0: yeah definitely and I think also like as a good all rounder, you don't have to be an expert in every single role, but at least if you know, you know, every single part of your business, if you can at least do it with, with competence, then then you're on to a winner there. But if it's mm. something you cannot do, then you need to learn it for sure. Totally agree. So market research, then I would say would be our next point. Cause you've sort of established the rough area that you know you want to set your business up in. You know your skills now at this point, you kind of know your topic, you might know the problem you are trying to solve, you might exactly know your product but you really have to look at what businesses or products that are already in the industry. So you know we touched upon like knowledge within your industry is important but really like knowing what's already out there is going to be massively key at this point. So I guess like looking at things like what are your competitors? You know, what What are their exact product? Who's their general target audience and their demographics? You know, what can you improve? Again, we looked at kind of how can you improve something that's already pre-existing? Um, so really, this is now your time to know the whole market worldwide, know the ins and the outs of it completely.
1: Yeah, so it's good to identify where you sit in the market as a business or with that product that you're researching at the time as well. Because like you said, you need to look at products that exist, companies that exist, Look at what they do well, but also look at what they don't do well, Yeah. because that's where you can really sort of fill that void and then answer those customers that aren't happy with other companies or other products.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that can be your unique selling point um, or your USP. So that's your kind of your difference. That's what makes you different and sets you aside. So for example, if a competitor of a similar sort of product is only looking at people with a certain medical condition, but they're not looking at the general population, well, there you go. You you focus on the general population, and you can be the you know the blah 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 hand cream that's good for everyone, not just for a certain medical condition. You know, so you this is about time to find where you sit and kind of what sets you aside, what makes you different. Um, find out in as much detail as well, like who your competitors are. Like really work them out, work out their strengths and the weaknesses. Um, And just really like go into detail on this because it might be something that you don't think about now, but later on down the line when you're looking at new product lines or you're looking at kind of product development, this is what you're going to refer back to. It's kind of, is that already out there? Yes or no? And and moving on from there.
1: I think that's really important about the competitors because you've got to remember that they are going after the same customers you are. Yeah. Although there's a lot of people around, you know, there's still only a finite amount of, of money to be spent in your industry on that particular product. So you really do have to try and be as competitive as possible.
0: Yeah, of course you do. And and people always go, oh, you know, hate competition within business. You don't want someone to have the same product as you. But actually, sometimes it can be really good. You know, don't always see competition as a bad thing. Remember, there's only a certain amount of products in the world that you can have and there's only so mm. many ways you can make things different. There's always going to be a competitor, guys. Like, that is just going to happen. That's how the world works. But use it to your advantage, not only as a motivation, but use it to kind of make your products better. Think like, well, I've got this over them, like they haven't done that. Well, do your customers know that? You know, are you marketing to your customers that you do this differently? You know, if there's something already out there, well, you know, shine, absolutely show everyone what you do differently to this other company. Make them pick you. But what, you know, why does someone want to take your product or your service over the pre existing ones and then use that as your marketing material?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Right, so point six work on your branding. So this is probably your final step in that first little section of, you know, getting started. So branding consists of, you know, your overall brand image, a logo, a slogan, brand colours. There's so many different things that go into it. But what you want to work on is this. This is all working for you in unison and reinforcing that sort of professional image that you want to put across for your brand.
0: Yeah, it's the convincer again. It's like what we just spoke about. It's it's like your USP is. What's going to convince someone to go from you? And if it's a well recognised brand, if it's a well recognised logo, you know, you, you spot the colours and you go, oh, I associate that with this company. That's a reason why people are going to come back to you because they go, oh, I remember that. So making things memorable. Um, so think about things that are household names. So, for example, Coca-Cola. Well, we always think of the red for Coca-Cola or the Coca-Cola lorry, don't we? Mm-hmm. We think about the arches from McDonald's. We think about, you know, little slogans that supermarkets have, so we know it's that supermarket. That's the sort of thing that's gonna really put you aside, make things catchy and simple. But the major thing here is before you settle on a name and you create a website and you create social media and you start thinking about copywriting, Check that no one else already has that name because this is going to be a a serious issue further down the line, isn't it? You know, as you start to grow, you're going to have copyright infringements, trademark infringements, and it's going to be a a right bummer really for you, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Do your research because branding isn't cheap. Branding takes a lot of time and a lot of effort just to build up that recognition. The last thing you want to do a year down the line is then get a letter in the post and go, ah, I now need to change everything and practically start again. If you get well-known under a certain name and then you've got a change your whole name and your logo and your colours or, what you know, whatever it is that you've infringed on, It's it sets you back a long way. So that's something you really need to pay attention to. Do your research, you know, head on to the, the, the IPO, the, the trademark website and just double check yeah. for any conflicts. Have a look. And then also look for gaps. You know, if you come up with a good name and you think it's, you know, you think it's a winner, Head on there, double check, and if it's not there, it's worth spending a little bit of money to protect that because yeah, then it saves you know it saves someone else taking that coming along two years after you and then asking you to change when even if you had the original idea.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, and it's a no-brainer. Also, like you might have checked say trademarks, but you haven't checked, for example, Instagram handles. You know, if someone's got hmm. your name as an Instagram handle and they've already got a business, well. You know, there's no point because you can't get the Instagram handle that you want, which is going to be so essential for your business. Check the website it doesn't exist. It might exist in .com, but does it exist in UK? So. You, you know, you want to make sure that you can get both of those kind of um, domains as well. But I think also you just really got to think about things like colours, designs, everything like how are people going to spot you? And we had this um, kind of issue with because race car box. We, we started with white boxes and we would uh, stamp our logo on the front uh, for a bit of a customised personal feel. Um, and that was working really well for us for quite a long time, wasn't it, to be honest?
1: Labor intensive, but it, was, it worked. Yeah, very labor intensive, <laughs> but, but it did work. Yeah, it served the purpose, well.
0: and it was cost effective for us as a startup, um, which, which for us was really important. We couldn't mm. afford to kind of really print these amazing boxes to start with, you know. So you, you really do have to sometimes, you know, compromise and do that. But what we found was we kind of started a bit of a trend with white boxes. We found that other detailing companies um, just within the industry were starting to use white boxes and they were virtually looking exactly the same, whether they had just used plain white boxes or they were stamping their, you know, putting putting their logo on the front. So we found in social media images, there'd be a white box with with some detailing products in it. How would people know that that was from because race car box, if they could only see a small logo and they just saw the white box? You know, how how when scrolling were we going to be eye-catching? So that's when we kind of decided, right, we need to get our branding stronger, didn't we? We really thought, right, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of defining moment. And so we came up with some branding colours that would basically just just focused on us we made it kind of fit in with our logo and our name didn't we mm-hmm. and now when you're scrolling down social media if you see a black and white checkered flag of the inside of a box you know it's because race box because we have now established that within the industry and it's so easy to spot us now the whole inside of the box like, you like you can't miss us and then the edges of the box around the outside is the same so whether the box is closed whether the box is open whether the box is on its side you can't miss us
1: i think that's an important point is what we tried to aim for and what we've achieved luckily is that we're recognisable from the branding without people having to see our name.
0: Yeah, they don't even have to see our name. So logo. you don't have
1: to. I think that's something you yeah. should definitely aim for is that people can recognise you without having to see the brand name stamped all over it. So if it's out of view in a social media post, yeah. it's still recognisable yeah. just from the packaging. And I think a lot of companies do do this. A lot of clothing companies now, all of their mailing bags. Uh-huh. You can tell who for it's sure. from yeah. without seeing the website stamped on the outside. Yeah. But you can tell oh so and so's got package from there because it's quite recognisable patterns or colours that they particularly go for. So Yeah.
0: We wanted to make sure that from any way possible, if someone didn't see our our logo or brand name they would know who it was Mm -hmm. so that's really that is one way to have successful branding is think of your colors think of your themes your catchy slogans you know your logos that's really going to be the one that sets you aside and really set your business off
1: but the important part is there's no rush with that that took us two years
0: oh yeah to work
1: towards because it took us that long to identify it yeah uh, that that it was that important so uh, although we're giving you six tips for starting don't worry about this working instantly it's something you're going to develop over time branding changes all the time bigger yeah. companies always adapt their logos they freshen it up they change the color slightly you know even if it's a tiny amount don't worry about it because you're going to work towards the best branding for you over time
0: yeah I mean I think Cadbury's have just spent like millions that I saw um, on changing their fonts the Cadbury's font mm. they've changed the way I think the D looks or something on it and that's Cadbury's that's like everyone recognises Cadbury's mm. but because they've kept their purple and their gold writing yeah. you probably wouldn't notice that there was a change at all No, you know they've spent so much money on their branding but you recognise the purple and gold you'd yeah. know it's was Cadbury's but you? they've
1: obviously identified one small feature they go mm, we can do that better yeah. so we're going to Or we're going to freshen it up.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's always changing. And I'm sure in a few years down the line, things will change with us. Hmm. Um, And we'll refer back to these six tips. And we might go back to our first step of mind mapping and realising... You know what do we really love about our own business and re-establishing that you know has the market changed so you know you can use these six tips really um throughout so as a little bit of a roundup then so point number one is finding your interest or your passion that you have
1: point number two identify an issue or problem that you can solve in the chosen industry
0: number three would be you don't have to go it alone you can find a business partner and we would encourage you to do so
1: point number four identify your skill set and figure out what you need to learn and delegate.
0: Point five will be conduct market research.
1: And point number six, work on your branding.
0: Brilliant, so hopefully now you have a really good idea of how to set up your business or even just how to develop your business further if you've already started it. Working for yourself is actually so exciting and you know, we love it. We hope it brings you every bit of success, no matter how small or how large it is. And we would really love to help you guys make your business dreams come true and keep you developing as much as you can so please do go back and listen to our other podcasts please subscribe um leave a review share us around if possible um and we hope to see you soon